And of course, we've been missing Dennis Stewart over the last couple of weeks. So, Dennis, it's lovely to have you back. Thank you, Jane. That's very nice. And of you. we would like you to explain in just a little while what it is, why you're blaming your bees for your I will, absence. I will happily explain that to you, Jane. But we'll, it'll be a very intriguing discussion. Lovely to have you back, Dennis Stewart. Thank you, Jane. And we do want to know just why you're blaming oh, your bees. Dear, dear, dear. Well, Jane, you and listeners would know that I have frequently extolled the virtues of beekeeping, and I have been a beekeeper, as my daughter will say momentarily, for the bulk of my life. What I did not realise, of course, is that as one gets older, the ability to lift beehives becomes a little bit more compromising. And so I sustained what is medically known as a bulging disc as a result of trying to lift 25 kilos of honey from a three-decker hive onto the ground, something that one shouldn't do at this rather advanced stage of my life. So my absence was simply brought about as a result of my being immobilised virtually by my bees and their stocking so much honey in my hives and my wanting to rob them, which I did very successfully, but in so doing, Sounds uh, robbed, cruel, robbed my health. <laughs> so the reason is, as a beekeeper, I sustained a common, a common ailment that most beekeepers experience in their career. That is, part of their bony structure begins to give way. So I say to all beekeepers out there, to take take heed of what I have said. When you are lifting your beehives about, particularly when you're lifting from a height, a three-decker, for instance. Lift wisely, lift cautiously, and lift properly. Otherwise, you too will become a victim, a, a war victim, a wounded victim to the profession of beekeeping. Now, you've brought your daughter, Rachel, along. <laughs> I have along indeed, my delightful daughter. She is a beekeeper. So um, do you follow that advice, Rachel? Definitely follow that advice. My husband does most of the heavy lifting, though, luckily. So I don't get into um, the, the really heavy stuff. That sounds like a very good idea. Now, perhaps Rachel might tell us a little bit about yeah, beekeeping. Well, um, how I got into bees maybe might be interesting. As a little girl, Dad was into beekeeping back then and I used to uh, help him make up the fr new frames to go into the hives and also extract it and, of course, have a taste of it. So it was... It was a of great thing for me taste. to enjoy. Yes, that's right. And um, growing up with that, I, I loved it. I loved the smell of it and the, the smoke, that, the way that you smelled after you work with the bees. And um, then we went to a local springtime festival about eight years ago, saw a display, convinced my husband to get some bees, which he reluctantly did agree to. And uh, then we found a whole lot of Dad's old equipment in a shipping container, cleaned it up, and um, what was started out as a hobby is now our main source of income. Oh, so there you go. From beginnings, and uh, I noticed you had tasting in there as well. <laughs> Sounds good. So um, bees like, of course, being out amongst the flowers and the trees, don't they? Oh, absolutely, yes. We've got a, a beautiful area that the bees really thrive in the Hunter Valley. I'm on the central coast, the same on the central coast as well. Yeah, there's plenty of good flowering gum trees and uh, other flowers too. What yeah. do they like mostly? Well, the most prolific source of nectar is the eucalypts. So if there's blossoming eucalypts in the area, that is where they will go to. Uh, however, we do have a lot of exotics that are come, come from different areas that people plant in their yards, which also um, produce some 
delicious honey. Fantastic. Thank you, Rachel. We might hear more about bees a little later on, on Health Naturally. Uh, Dennis Stewart, though, of course, we've asked for calls and we will come back now in just a moment with Jean's call. Jean's rung in from Melbourne and uh, she's got something she'd like to mm. ask you. Mm. And Jean has rung in from Melbourne. Now, Jean, your question's about <coughs> high blood pressure. Is that right? Uh, yes. Um so it's for my mum. She's 82. Uh, she has high blood pressure uh, since she was uh, in her 40s. So she's on um, high blood pressure medication. Um, then I want to know what supplements can she take. Recently I heard uh, olive leaf extract is very good for it. Is that correct? Okay. Jane, the first thing I would say is that if mum is on high blood pressure medication, she should not retreat from that. She should stay with it and be guided by her general practitioner because if mum has been on blood pressure medications uh, for such a long period of time, it's fairly obvious that she's done well on the medication and she should not contemplate moving away from it or modifying it without her doctor's permission because as you had realized Jean blood pressure is is a is a is a life-threatening disease and it shouldn't be fiddled with and in my experience in 40 years in practice is that too many people uh, fail to appreciate the seriousness of high blood pressure so point number 1 and I say this not only to you Jean but to all listeners yep. if you are if you have blood pressure or if you're on blood pressure medication you must not do anything without getting medical advice as to what you should do it could be very very dangerous but having said that having said that uh, one can use useful supplements for what i call the cardiovascular system and that is herbs that can assist the blood vessels herbs that can promote better circulation and herbs that could have a tonic effect on the wall of the blood blood vessel and on the heart muscle and certainly the best known the safest and the most non-specific herb for supporting all aspects of the cardiovascular system would be the well-known European herb known as hawthorn berry. Now you must, you must not interpret that as a blood pressure medication. It is a medication that is useful for cardiovascular conditions, particularly those in the ageing bracket. Um, I can tell that you're of European descent and you would be interested to know that one of the best writers on Hawthornberry was the German medical practitioner, Dr. Rudolf Weiss. And I've used his book for over 25 years in my lecturing. Now in Weiss's book, he refers to Hawthornberry as the herb for the aging heart. Now what is he talking about here? He's talking about the idea of using a safe uh, nutritional herb to reinforce all aspects of cardiovascular functioning. So I would have no problem in seeing people using Hawthornberry as a general cardiovascular tonic with their doctor knowing about it, but not in any way at all being seen as a, sub, as a substitute for antihypertensive yeah. medication. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, she is taking the Hawthorn. Um, I make a drink for her. She lives in China. Oh, okay. So we can buy okay. the... Uh, dry yes, Hawthorn okay. and uh, making can. the drink that's quite good. safe, good isn't you. it? And she takes yes. her blood, blood pressure good. regularly. Well, that's yeah. good. That's great. I'm pleased she's doing okay. that because she's right. She's right onto it there. If she's if she's in China, yeah. she'd be using traditional medicine, and they would have a good knowledge there of uh, of uh, Hawthorn berry and other herbs yeah. that are used for cardiovascular purposes. So I would just um, uh, tell Mum that she's on the right track. Yeah. 
Okay, thank you very much, you, uh, Dennis. I have a second question yes, yes. Um, about uh, hair loss. Oh, yes. I experienced some uh, hair loss myself. Yes. Um, um, my hair, especially in the front, yes. become very thin. Okay. Um, yeah, and, uh, and uh, the overall hair becomes a bit oily. Okay. Um, so what can I do about okay. it? Well, the first thing is if you are starting to notice hair loss, it's always wise to discuss with a medical professional uh, the reasons that might be behind it. Now, as we all get older, particularly males mm. like myself, we lose hair fairly easily. But women can also uh, lose hair in the ageing process, but frequently hair loss is yeah. associated with things like thyroid function or, right. or, or, mineral, yeah. or mineral deficiency. If it's worrying you, I would pursue it. Uh, you, down in Melbourne, you have some very, very good integrated medical practitioners that are using a combination of mainstream medicine and what we call complementary medicine. In fact, for years, Melbourne was the heartland of my lecturing. So I know the quality of practitioners you have down there. Uh, go and get it looked at first to make sure there is no explanation in your blood tests to indicate what could be behind it. If that comes up as nothing showing, yeah. don't write that off. The, the main herb that's used in herbal medicine to promote improvement in, in, in hair in, in, and slowing down um, hair loss is a herb that you would easily procure in Melbourne because you would know that Melbourne uh, has a lot of Indian people and they, yeah. br they bring with them their remarkable uh, herbal medicine system known as Ayurveda. And I have had the privilege over many, many years of going to Melbourne and uh, enjoying uh, learning from the Ayurvedic medical practitioners down there. And they would use a herb called Eclipta Alba. Now, I'll spell it for you. E-C-L-I-P-T-A. Yep. E Eclipta. Uh, E-C-L-L-I-P-T-A. Eclipta. L-I-P-T-A, Eclipta, and then Alba, A-L-B-A, Eclipta okay. Alba. Now, yep. there would be numerous, numerous uh, stores in Melbourne, uh, Melbourne more than any other place in Australia, where you would procure Ayurvedic medicines, either in a finished form, that is a tablet or a pill, or maybe even in, in a crude powdered form. If there's anything that's likely to be of benefit to you, it is yep. that, that herb that is well known. You can Google it up and see the oh, reputation right. that it has. But hunt round, go to an Ayurvedic uh, shop, talk about Eclipta Alba. They would know it under its Sanskrit okay. name as, as Bringaraj, but I'm not going to try to spell that for you. <laughs> Just take that name along, use some of that, but always with anything like this, have a look at the factor through your general practitioner to see if there's anything obvious explaining it. Thank you very much, Dennis. Thank That's you, Jean. Cool. Nice to hear from you again. And thank you, Jean. Uh, Rosemary has rung in on 49216216. And your question's about chillblains, Rosemary. They're not yours, though. No, my 83-year-old father, he suffered from them all his life. Yes. And um, the season has begun again and he's got his first. And I was just wondering um, if there is anything that herbally will help. Look, not like... To stop him getting them. Okay. Look, um, it's interesting that you've you've just made this call because when I see the when I saw the call come up on the screen, I immediately thought of a call that I had uh, doing a program in Sydney many years ago, 
uh, in the early hours of the morning with a gentleman known as Owen Delaney, who was a very good uh, friend of mine and uh, ran a program that I was happy to participate on. And one night, about oh, 12 o'clock, my wife and myself used to go down, by the way, and do this program with that dear man. <clears throat> and one night a gentleman rang in from Tasmania and said that uh, he suffered badly from chillblains and that everything he had tried did him no good. Did I have any simple uh, recommendations? Yep. I said, well, I can make a recommendation. I won't guarantee it, but logically it should work because uh, capsules of cayenne... Oh. Capsules of cayenne. Now, as in the pepper? As in the pepper, but in an encapsulated form, it bypasses the upper gut largely and uh, doesn't give you the discomfort that you're likely to get if you were to take it in a cruder form. So I recommended to this dear, dear gentleman, a little bit tentatively, a little bit tentatively, yeah. uh, that he start using a capsule of cayenne a couple of times a day. Okay. Now, about two or three months later, the same gentleman rang up. It was quite interesting that program had such a vast listing audience that it convinced me that half the Australian population was awake in the morning at about <laughs> two o'clock. Anyway, about two or three months later, this gentleman rang in and he thought we were the next best thing to slice bread because wow. simply by taking cayenne capsules, his chillblains had gone. Now, oh, I, I make no guarantees. I make no yeah. guarantees. I could only quote that example, and others who have taken it on board have vouched for the efficacy of it. The good, oh. thing, the good thing, Rosemary, is that uh, cayenne capsules under various brands are very, very inexpensive. Uh, so the worst thing that could happen is it mightn't do him much good, but I suspect it would do him some good. <laughs> Yeah, well, it might warm the heart, might it? Well, there's a lot in that too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks, you. All right, that's excellent. Okay, Thank you. Okay, right Peter has rung in from Tingaira Heights on that number. Now, uh, it's about an enzyme, Peter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's coenzyme mm-hmm. uh, CQ10. That's correct, Peter, yes. Yeah, uh, Dennis, I've spoken to you before. Yes. Um, I'm on dialysis. Yes. I'm diabetic. Yes. Um, I... I Previously spoke to you about the actually the hawthorn berry and the oh, bilberry, yes, yes, yes. Um, which I take, and yes. I've had great results yes. from that. I'm glad you're taking um, those, Peter. I, I see those as uh, two of the most important supplements you can take. Sorry, Peter. Yeah. Just before you go on, I wonder if you could move away from your radio. We're getting a bit of an echo there. Okay. Okay, or turn your radio down. Yeah, it's off. Good. Well done. Much better. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> Dennis, back um, to you. Yeah, I, I, I used to get bleeds in the eye, and with yes. the bilberry, I, since I've been taking that for the last four or five years, I haven't had any bleeds. That's good. It's made a, a vast difference, That's but um, I, I'm also taking statins okay. for cholesterol. Okay. Okay. And um, that okay. is <laughs> what I wanted to know about with the C, the coenzyme. Yeah. Uh, would that be an important supplement to be taking if I was taking a statin? I believe, and I have to be cautious here, otherwise I may have the whole of the uh, medical fraternity on my back, but I believe that coenzyme Q10 is very important to take when you're taking a statin. In fact, in some countries, I am told, when you are prescribed a statin, uh, coenzyme Q10 is almost prescribed uh, alongside of it. There is an argument which says that statin medications, important as they may be, um, can affect 
the level of coenzyme Q10, or ubiquinone as we know it, which is a pretty important substance in the body and has a protective effect on many functions of the body. So my view is that if a person is on a statin, it would be wise to start contemplating going on to coenzyme Q10. Normal uh, dosage is about 150 milligrams a day. I take coenzyme Q10, even though I'm not on a statin, because uh, or the coenzyme Q10 has other purposes other than just a useful supplement to offside or, or to, uh, how can you call it, compensate for any downside uh, of a statin regarding that particular substance. Uh, but I take it for other purposes because I consider it uh, something like the hawthorn berry to have a, a very useful role as, as an agent to resist uh, some of the aging processes. And coenzyme Q10, because it is so precious and important in the body, and because it seems to wind down as we get older, I believe is a useful supplement per se, not just if you're on a, a cholesterol medication. So summarising it, if, if I were taking a statin, I would most certainly be taking coenzyme Q10. But quite apart from that, I believe it is a very important supplement for people that are ageing to compensate for some of the lowering of that level in the system. I would say, Peter, however, if you're going to go on to the coenzyme Q10, you owe it to your general practitioner uh, and perhaps your cardiologist to let them know what you're doing and to ensure that it coincides with their management plan. Anything I say on this program always is prefaced by my requirement that you discuss uh, serious things with your GP or your specialist before you embark on it. Fortunately, coenzyme Q10 is a very safe entity and I can't see anything immediately that would, would worry me in your case. And if you are on a statin, I would think that it would be most useful. Um, all right, my pay, I'm already on that. I've, I've checked that with my specialist. Okay. Um, but I, is it all right in conjunction with the bilberry and hawthorn berry that oh, I'm taking oh, that also? Oh, look, in my opinion, it would have no interaction possibilities whatsoever. Keep in, keep in mind uh, that the bilberry and the hawthorn berry are essentially foods essentially foods. The fact that you're taking them in a, in a sophisticated pharmaceutical form doesn't alter the fact that essentially they are foods. So it would be it'd be impossible, in my opinion, for coenzyme Q10 in any way at all to upset or interact uh, with what you're taking with those two supplements. Okay. I've noticed with the Hawthorne berry that um, my circulation, in, like my hands were seasoned up. Yes. Um, my hands and my, my feet uh, seem to have better circulation in them. Well, re remember what I've said at the beginning of our little discussion. See the herb not just as targeting one aspect of the cardiovascular system, but rather being, if you like, an anti-aging remedy, a specific remedy for the ageing heart, and that would incorporate the ageing cardiovascular system. So I'm not in, not in any way at all surprised that you're getting some benefits from your peripheral circulation uh, in both your hands and your feet. That coincides with my understanding of the herb and the incredible benefits that it has when it is persevered with. And this is why I need to emphasize it. This is not an alternative cardiovascular drug. It is a nutritional supplement that needs to be worked with and taken long term in order to get the benefit that you're getting. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm getting good benefit from it. Good on you, Peter. I'm very pleased to hear that you've got benefit from what we recommended on this program because that's what the program's all about. Thank you for your call, Peter. And we're moving to the junction now. Julie's rung in on 49216216. And, Julie, your question is about Alzheimer's. Yes, yes. Hi, how are you? Hello, Julie. How are you? Um, I'm very good, Good, thank you. Um, I've got a... My mother's um, in her um, late 80s. Yes. And she's... Her Alzheimer's seems to be getting... She lives at home on her own now. Her husband passed away a few years ago. And so, basically, I want to see her kept at home. Of course. And so that has been a slight issue with part of the family. But um, so what we're doing at the moment, and I'll just run quickly by you... um, I get her to walk. I ring her every morning and make sure she does a walk every day because I know walking, the oxygen stimulates the mind. Yes. And, and it keeps it, you know, on a more positive aspect yes. because, um, as you probably know, the part of the disease um, can be anger, negativity, yes. that type of thing. Correct. And also I make sure she has salmon every day for oh, lunch. Good job, good job. Yes, and also she does puzzles and rummikin every day religiously, and she's a Christian, so yes. she reads the Bible. That's good. Um, I so read she's the Bible. doing all those. Yes, yes, and yes, I got that impression yes. from um, listening to you. Very important. And it is, and so you know, in that sense, she's positive. But the anger thing has just been getting a little bit slightly. I go up there. I used to bring her down here to stay with me in Newcastle every six weeks, but yes. she doesn't want to leave the house now. Okay. So I go up there every, you know, three weeks or so mm-hmm. and spend a few days. Yes. Um, but I'm just wondering if there's anything else, um, because the anger thing, obviously, it comes out on the family as yes. well. Yes. And because I'm the closest, I guess, as far as spending more time. Yes. Uh, just wondering if there is any other foods or things okay. that she could be having that okay. might help stimulate the mind more. Okay. Look, the one has to be always cautious in discussing this because one mm. doesn't want to simplify the condition. It's a complex no. uh, condition uh, and there is no single answer for it that I'm aware of. But having mm. said that, mm. uh, I do believe there is a role uh, for the for the herb ginkgo biloba um, okay. It, it's, uh, can you spell that, sorry? G i n k g o, ginkgo. K g o, yes. Ginkgo biloba. Now you can Google that up, and you'll be astonished at the amount of information available on its use, particularly for what we call aging syndromes. And mm-hmm. I referred earlier to a text that I have used throughout my lecturing career by the German medical practitioner Rudolf Weiss, and mm-hmm. he he um, he sees. Uh, this condition, Alzheimer's, well, not so much Alzheimer's, but some of the symptoms of it being very well addressed by Mm. the herb ginkgo biloba. And your Mm. pharmacist in particular could give you what was called a standardised extract in a tablet form Mm. of the ginkgo. Mm. I would think Mm. that it would be a useful supplement to contemplate, albeit uh, making sure that it was run past your mum's doctor because if if Mm. mum was on um, blood thinners, it might not be an ideal medication to prescribe. But certainly look up ginkgo and you'll be astonished at the way in which it is being utilised to address aspects perhaps associated with this. Principle number one, think about ginkgo biloba. Now the other, the other thing is, as far as the mood situation is concerned, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, dear Dr. Weiss, uh, he mentions in his uh, textbook um, the description of the herb St. John's wort as mm-hmm. very interesting. Most people that uh, think of, John, of St. John's wort uh, see it as an antidepressant. In fact, it's not. Weiss is correct mm-hmm. when he sees St. John's wort being what he refers to as a mood stabiliser. Now, that is very important because you have mentioned there mum's uh, moodiness, mum's irritability, and perhaps mum's aggressiveness. Um, think about g- getting a good preparation of, mm. of St. John's wort, which is botanically mm. known as Hypericum. Again, readily available from good pharmacies and health food stores. Okay. Uh, but again, okay. because this herb is a very active herb, uh, mm. And I mean, it, it is pharmacologically active, and even though it can be purchased mm. without script, it does need to be noted uh, on her medical records mm. that she mm. is taking mm. it, and her mm. doctor, in my opinion, should monitor the condition for any improvement. Mm. Okay. Radio, so I will get on to that um, ASAP because I've de- noticed a definite um, downturn just. Um, oh, my last dear, trip dear. on Mother's Day, yeah, not dear, not dear. severe, but yes. um, you know, just. Yeah. Um no, I understand where you're coming from. And look, what I've said there is fairly simplistic, but what I've done is make two very safe recommendations, which might give mum a little bit of improvement. Del rang from New Lambton. And Del, your question is about mega amino acid compounds. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Hello, Del. Hello, how are you? I'm well. I, I am currently uh, losing hair. I am uh, insulin resistant. And I have half a thyroid. Uh-huh. Many years ago, I was on mega amino acid complex. Yes. And that ke- seemed to keep me in good stead and mm-hmm. plenty of hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't find them anymore. Is there some other substitute I could okay. be taking? Del, I understand where you're coming from with amino acids. Amino acids, for the sake of uh, listeners, amino acids are basically uh, associated with proteins. They're the building blocks of protein. Now, there is one... Um, particular amino acid known as tyrosine, T-Y-R-O-S-I-N-E, tyrosine. And I have used it for very, very many years in conjunction with herbs to address this problem. Even though you you were taking a compound which seemingly incorporated many amino acids, um, probably the one, probably the one that was doing the most good for you with reference to this hair problem was the amino acid known as tyrosine. Now, fortunately for you, it's available uh, even in your, even where you are in New Lambton. It's not expensive. Uh, give it a go. It would be the one that I would recommend amongst all the amino acids. Thank you. And is there a different strength? Um, no, are look, there varying strengths? Am- amino acids are amino acids. And in, right. the, in, in a powdered form or a tableted form, um, and usually the powdered form is the simplest, there would be a recommended dose, a scoop or something like that on the label that would relate to the amount that you were taking. Thank you so very much, and I do enjoy your program. Thank you, Del. Thank you for your call. And Steve has rung in from Barnsley. Steve, onions. Do you know your onions? <laughs> Hello, Steve. <laughs> G'day, Dennis. How are you, Steve? Good, mate. Good. Le- Good. Um, as I'm a 53 model, yes, yes. Um, I've always liked... Pardon? You're only a boy. 
I am waiting till I'm able to say that. <laughs> Mate, um, all my life, like, having cooked onions and everything hasn't bothered me, but of late, um, I, you know, I fade back and, oh, I'll cook up some onions and whatever, and by crikey, it gives me a, um adverse effect okay so what what you are experiencing i suggest is gastroesophageal reflux disease known as gourd um, mm. or what we used to call hypercidity it's not an uncommon condition that can occur at, at your youthful age um, and there's a number of ways of uh, of handling it i think you should run it past your gp because even though i've suggested that it's what's called gourd um, the fact that it's come on um, at this stage perhaps warrants uh, a gastroscopy or looking into your gut to find out what's actually happening in your stomach on the off chance that there is some pathology there, some lesion there that could explain why you're reacting to this food which you have eaten for so many years. But keep in mind, onion-like garlic contains a very powerful essential oil. And as we get older, perhaps our tolerance for some of these things lessens a bit. You have a number of options if it is gastroesophageal reflux disease uh, and you still want to eat onions, as I presume you will or do. I love them as well, and they're good for us. Uh, your doctor would probably prescribe what's called a PPI. Uh, that's a proton pump inhibitor. There are various uh, pharmaceuticals, Nexium and other names that uh, come under that bracket, and they are very effective for handling uh, reflux symptoms uh, particularly if they're related to, to food. Uh, on the other hand, you may well find that using some herbal softer medication is worthwhile to start with, and there's an excellent medication known as meadowsweet. Now note that oh, right meadowsweet is a European herb. It can frequently come as a tea, and when taken uh, regularly as a simple pleasant herbal tea, it can function as an agent which lessens acidity in the gut. So you've got an option there. But first of all, see your GP. Don't treat this as just something trivial. You're getting discomfort from it. Have it investigated. If it turns out to be what I suspect it is, you've got the option. Discuss it with your GP, some Nexium or some herbal approaches using, say, meadow sweet with a bit of slippery elm. All right. All good? Thanks very much. Thank you, Steve. Great. Okay, thanks for your call, Steve. And, yeah, onions are certainly something we need to be able to eat. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and if they're nice and raw, all the better. I could talk all day about the benefits of onions. And, of course, garlic is part of the same family. Same family. Leeks and... Absolutely. Uh, garlic is, is known as Alium sativa. Onion is known as Alium sepa. And, interestingly, they both have very, very similar characteristics. Yes. Very similar. And does uh, are you likely to experience gourd perhaps from garlic as well as from Well, you could do. I, I would suspect not that summer. this chap's probably not eating a lot of garlic. He's a bit of an onion fan. Um, but I suspect also that you could, exp you could experience the same with garlic. We have Cathy on the line from Spears Point. And Cathy, you've got a question about urine odour. Hello, Cathy. A wee problem, do you think? Oh, that's very oh, nice. Well oh, done, hello. Jane. Well done, Jane. <laughs> what would your question be, Cathy? Hello. I know it's uh, a very personal thing. No, it's thing. not personal, Cathy. It's we're just human beings. Talk about it. You've you got a smelly urine. 
exactly. As yeah. you get older, well, I was yeah. just thinking, is it foods that I eat? Is it too much coffee okay. or okay. something? Well, look, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. But I think there's a fairly simple way of addressing this problem and an inexpensive way. Uh, well, first of all, I should say this. You have obviously discussed this with your doctor. Yes. Okay, right. So long as you've been investigated, because sometimes uh, urine odour can be associated with infection. But on the assumption that it's not that, but even if it were a low-grade infection, the regular, the regular daily use of cranberry is a very, very effective way of dealing with an odorous urine. And you can get cranberry either as a juice from the supermarket or, in my opinion, preferably for a medical reason, get it as a capsule or a tablet, take it in low dose. It is not expensive. I would be most surprised, Cathy, let me emphasise this, I would be most surprised if after using cranberry for a month or so, you did not come back on the program and say that it has helped your problem. Oh, thank you so much. That'd you be could, wonderful. Yeah, you try it. You try it and get back to us. Sounds like good news, Cathy. Thanks for your call. We've just got about a minute left, I think, Dennis, before we um, before we head off. And uh, Well, let, let my dear Rachel give just four recommendations for people that might want to get into beekeeping. Be quick, Rachel. All right. Well, uh, in a quick sum up of that, then I'd recommend to um, do a course or work with a beekeeper. You could join your local apiarists association. Always wear protective gear, that's very important. Uh, respect the bees and don't become too negligent in working with them. You don't want to have too much confidence around them. And then read as much as you possibly can about beekeeping and bees. And there's so much to find available. Fantastic, Rachel. Great to have you along. Do they become friends, your bees? Well, we don't name them, but we, we are quite friendly with them. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And it's better to be that way than the other, isn't it? Yes. You certainly don't want them as enemies. Thank you very much, Rachel Zeus, and who is, of course, Dennis Stewart's daughter. And thank you very much to you, Dennis it's Stewart. lovely, Jane. Lovely we'll, to be back. We'll be back for Health Naturally next Friday after the, uh, what's it called? The Midday News on 2NURFM.